0: Welcome everybody to the UDR podcast. I'm Tom Forsyth here with Bill Ward. We're going to discuss everything, recovery, different perspectives, and different experiences in recovery with people we know and people around the world. Okay, so yeah, I'm really excited to announce that we're doing a in-depth big book study September 6th from 7 to 9:15. That's mountain daytime. And uh, so Bill and I decided just to do a podcast, just the two of us today. Um, just going to ask the question of, you know, why are we doing this? Why, what's the purpose and why do we want to do it, Bill?
1: Well, I don't know. This program has changed my life so much. And I just, I came in for a removal of a substance and thought my life would get better. And, you know, removing the alcohol and the drugs... My life did get better, quite a bit better, but I still struggled with a lot of things and I didn't really understand the program. And once I started understanding the literature at a deeper level and that came through sponsorship and being in the literature and going to meetings and, and applying the inventory and the change and asking God for help, it, it just took my life in a to a place I can't even really describe. You know, in the book, it talks about being launched into that fourth dimension of existence. And I remember when I first read that line, I was like, what a bunch of bullshit. I thought it was just a selling feature for the book. And, uh, you know, now when people ask me, well, what does this book and the program do? I say, well, if you really work it and you really rely on God, it will launch you into this fourth dimension of existence. So now... You know, I understand what that line means, and I understand what a lot of the line means, and a lot of the lines mean. But why do I want to do it? Because, I don't know, this will be the fourth or fifth one that I've done. Um, I've gotten a lot of feedback with the knowledge that I'm able to deliver. And a lot of people like what I'm saying. And then you and I started a meeting a lot long ago, and it's been very successful, and there's been a lot of people recovering and, and giving us props for, for what we're doing, and we just want to be of service, and I just want to be of service. And, and I believe I understand the literature at a pretty deep level, and I really focus on the directions, and, and I just want to help people change their life. I want to help people get into that fourth dimension you know bill w could not not give this away he had such a profound spiritual experience he wanted everyone to have it who struggled with addiction and me i'm kind of i feel the same way and and i just i want to help the families who struggle with the addict and alcoholic within their life i want to help the person who struggles Because most people don't really make it a year or two or three or four or five. I want people to really live a really good and happy life full of vitality. Which means living life to the fullest extent. And I want to help smash the stigma of alcoholism and drug addiction. Because it's got a bad rap. And uh, I just feel compelled to do this. And I'm really, really excited. You know launching this on all our social media platforms, trying to draw people from all over the world. And it's exciting. And I just feel compelled and drawn to do this. And, you know, it's it's work that God wants me to do, and, and I believe that I'm good at it. So, you know, that's where I'm at with why I want to do it, I guess. And I guess today we'll discuss more in those areas.
0: Right, and... Um, you know, I, I was really excited when you asked me to come on and, and do it with you. And you know, about a year year and a half ago, you you brought me through the literature, and then I started. It all started to click. Like I, 2009 is when I started. You know, first off in AA, and before that was just um, in and out of treatment centers and detox centers, hospitals, and counselors' office, and all you name it, whatever whatever you know option was out there I swear I tried it and I came into you know AA um, through an AA based treatment center and uh, you know and I had some success but I never really understood what the book was talking about until you and I went through it and then you know things started to click and like man my I just felt like you know um, my mind started to open up and you know, it all started making sense and, you know, it's just been such a freeing experience. And I feel today that I'm not afraid to relapse. You know, I feel that I have recovered from a lot of the aspects that addiction and alcoholism, you know, creates in my life. And, you know, so I just really want to express um, there's so much more to this book than, than if you were like me showing up at meetings and, you know, trying to sponsor guys, just reading it, not really understanding what they're saying, um, the program really can't take full effect without actually understanding what, you know, the first 100 we're trying to um, project in this book. And, you know, it, it has a lot of old language in it. And to me, it just didn't resonate. But uh, when Bill actually explained to me what a lot of this stuff meant, um my life completely changed my relationships changed my work changed the way i approach life changed the conversations i have changed like literally every aspect of my life changed and i'm just so grateful so if there's anything i can do to actually you know be a part of this and carry this message you know i'm all for it and i'm super excited for that well That's, you know, we've developed a good friendship through the fellowship
1: of the Spirit, right? I always talk about two fellowships in the program. Tradition 3 says, you know, if I have a desire to not drink or use, I'm a member. And we all think that that's the fellowship. Yes, it is the fellowship. And you and I were part of that fellowship for a long time. But understanding what it means to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God and really trying to do that through the directions in the book, we get launched into another fellowship. And that very last paragraph of page 164, the only place Bill talks about it, because I believe he doesn't want to be judgmental, right? And, And, you know, segregate people, which is important. But the facts are that he does mention it. And he says, you know, come join us in the fellowship of the Spirit. You will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. And he's saying, you know, there's another fellowship here. Come join us. May God bless you and keep you until you find the fellowship of the Spirit, the fellowship of God. And in the book, it talks about the fellowship you crave will grow up about you. And water finds its own level. And once you find this fellowship of the Spirit, the fellowship of God, these God-centered 12-step pillar people really do grow up about you. And when shit hits the fan and life gets really terrible, in the old days, people used to disappear and I was left standing there in the rubble alone going, who am I and who are my friends? But now things can go really south for me and I know who I am and my real friends, the Fellowship of the Spirit, friends and people and pillars, they're there to help pick me up and support me. They reach down and pull me back up because they know who I am. And with you, Tommy, I knew you in your previous life, in your previous recovery, and the work that we've done, and you were like probably one of the most willing people I've ever met who already had a lot of AA experience or program experience, that said, you know, I'm gonna do anything because I don't want to feel this way. And you did everything, bro. You went through right from doctor's opinion all the way to the end of the book. I showed you the directions. You followed the directions. You understood that step 10 is the keys to this. You understand that step 10 is not what it says on the wall in the rooms. You understand that it's a practical application that is the keys to the kingdom. And like your growth has just been like, you know, it's the juice. Watching somebody recover like you who struggled in the program, wondering what is the program, but thinking you were working the program. I think that's why we're doing this. Because your experience in your 10 years of drinking through the 10 years and then coming to this place where you found, you know, your own God, you listen to your intuition and you do these things has been like inspiring to me. And the change that you've had is a change that many people that I've worked with get. But you're also taking it to a different level too. You know, you've quit your career and you've made a lot of changes and, you know, you just really want to work for a creator and, and, you know, the fellowship I crave is growing up about me and you're part of that and I'm part of that for you. So, you know,
0: why do you want to do this? Well, <coughs> I want to do this because from the age of 19 and... um I had a willingness, and <clears throat> by the time I was 19, I was in detox um, because of crack cocaine. And it was clear to me that I had to stop using drugs, but it was not clear to me that alcohol any, had any part in that. Um, and I feel that if I had the right information at the right time and what alcoholism was, and it was a spiritual pro- program uh, problem, I should say, um, that I probably could have saved myself a lot of pain throughout those years. And I went down to the deepest, darkest, living on the street. Um, you know, here in Calgary, we used to have a place called the Cecil Hotel where you would just get pulled over just for, for walking by it, you know, or, or just pulling up, you know. It was such a, a deep, dark place full of drug addicts, and, you know, you couldn't go near it without having a cop come talk to you about why you are there. And that's where I hung out. And, uh, you know, I'm a guy that I didn't have to go that way. You know, my family was pretty decent. Um, you know, they, they did their best. And, and, I, and I know today that my addiction has nothing to do with how I was raised or what happened. You know, there's, there's certain things that, you know, I needed to grow upon. But there's guys that had way worse upbringings to me. And maybe they did end up turning to drugs and alcohol. But they never took a hold of them the way it did me. And today I know that I have, you know, this spiritual sickness within me and, um, you know, so I guess the main purpose why I want to do this is because, you know, if there's someone out there willing and they don't know where to go, they don't know what to do, they don't know what's wrong, you know, the families don't know what to do with the addict or the alcoholic in their, in their, in their situation. You know, my parents, you know, they struggled to figure out what to do with me. And, you know, my sisters struggled trying to figure out what to do with me. And my addiction, you know, I would steal their car. I would steal their wallets because I needed a fix. And I love them, but it had nothing to do with it because once I put this stuff in my body, I don't have a choice. And it'll take me to places where I never imagined I could go and, you know, so if we could just kind of, you know, at least provide <clears throat> some information for the families, for the people struggling, for the people that are in recovery like I was, and, you know, just feeling that restless, irritable discontent that it talks about in the book, not understanding why, and, you know, going to meetings, feeling good when you leave the meeting, but it unravels so fast, and... Um, you know, not understanding how to apply this stuff into your life, into your work, into your family, and what it actually takes to do that. You know, that's, that's the message that I want to bring. I want people to know that you don't have to feel this way. It doesn't have to be that hard. <clears throat> but, um, you know, it, it was through a lot of pain that I, that I found what I found today. And I believe that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, not to that severity. So to be part of this and to dedicate myself to, you know, helping people kind of get through that and um, just being there for people, you know, and maybe they have, maybe they have some more pain to go through. And maybe they're not quite ready, but at least to plant plant a seed um, is the purpose for me today, I guess.
1: Right on Tommy, um, like in our big book study is going to be, you know, again, a design for living big book study. It's actually a design how I can live my life, you know, and Tommy just talked about the spiritual malady and to me, the spiritual malady is the most important part of this illness. You know, we talk often in the rooms about this two-fold disease, about an obsession and an allergy. But, you know, for for me and my understanding of the literature, it's a threefold disease. And it starts with the restless, irritable, and discontent. And I need relief for that. That comes at once by taking the first few drinks or first few hoots. And the book says, as I succumb to the desire again, as so many do, meaning I will fail to resist. I will not be able to not pick up the drink or drug. It's like the only option if life is piling up on me too much. The problem is now we get into the second and third fold. I obsess and I put it in my body and then I set off the allergy and then I'm on a spree and I'm I'm not done drinking or drugging till the drugs and drink are done with me. The problem is that so many people die from, you know, this phenomenon of craving. They make the supreme sacrifice rather than continue to fight. And lots of people may stay sober for a little while and don't understand that there's a better way, like you said. And there is a better way. And understanding the directions. And not like you know, fluffing this shit up. I think the no bullshit approach that I offer as a sponsor with a lot of love and kindness, compassion, the no bullshit is actually what's working for the people that I'm working with. And as I go to meetings and I share the truth about the literature and my experience with the literature, I'm very consistent and I don't waver because I see what's working And, you know, I do have the experience of sponsoring many hundreds of men and some women, and the results are the results. And you've sponsored a number of people, too, and you're starting to see the results are the results. You follow the clear-cut set of directions, and you start to recover, not from the hopeless state of mind and body only, but from the spiritual malady, which is the most important part of this to medicate. And what do we medicate it with? We medicate it with our relationship with God. We actually learn how to turn our will and our lives over. Like, you know, understanding the literature and like in step four, it says we search out the flaws in our makeup that caused our failure. Being convinced that self has manifested itself in various ways as what had defeated us. Self defeats me. The flaws in my makeup cause my failure. There's a lot of things deep inside of me, my my decisions based on self. Even though my intentions are right in living my life and I'm trying to do the best I can, I've never been able to see the true motive. And understanding motive in this program is the key to turning our will and our lives over. So you know, for the struggling addict and alcoholic, I think it's really, really important to get through your first set of steps and get rid of the substance. But by no means is a new person or somebody who's just grasping this able to understand to the depth of motive. It takes time. It takes willingness to keep persevering. It's a persistent, consistent commitment to actually change. The book talks about the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism yeah i need to change my personality through building character and the steps and the practical application of these steps actually allows me to change and you know you've changed so as we kind of focus on you know how can we help educate the family so that they understand what they're dealing with How can we help educate the addict-alcoholic so that they can understand their true predicament? Like the book says, most of us don't understand our true predicament. You know, how can we help our day-to-day relationships? You know, because a lot of us fight back and forth in in our relationships with kids and family members and, and society at large. One of the biggest things in the book that no one talks about Bill writes in the Step 4 in the 12 and 12, the primary fact that we fail to recognize is our utter inability to form a true partnership with any other human being. And when you think about that line, it's true. Nobody talks about that. And Bill says it's a primary fact and we won't recognize it, that I have an utter inability to form a true partnership. Once I start understanding the motives behind my actions, A lot of these actions don't even come from my conscious mind. They come from deep within. We ask our heavenly creator to remove these things root and branch. The branches in many respects are easy to see. They stick us in the eye. They poke us. They hurt us. But what about the root? The root only comes through time. comes through willingness. And through this healing, in a sense, we're learning how to turn our will and our lives over. So there's a lot of things to discuss and, Mm -hmm. you know, going through the no bullshit approach and you and I working off of one another's experience and our experience with the literature, our experience in our lives through the study, I'm just lit the fuck up. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't wait, bro.
0: Yeah, me too. And if if I could suggest one thing for the family, like if they're into this and they want to be Because I I understand that, like, being in the, for the family members, it can be so confusing not knowing where to go. And if the family can bring this stuff into the home, even though they can't control what the addict or alcoholic is doing at the time, at least they can find peace and they can find love and they can find compassion instead of living in fear. Because that, I remember, I remember coming home after treatment and the amount of fear that my my family projected and and with all right I mean I had been you know stealing and you know relapsing for years right but I just imagine a place where the family is connected the family is reaching to God for help and the family is projecting love with a stern discipline in their life um how much help that could be to the, the person suffering. And, uh, you know, I think it'd be very cool to see, you know, people bring this into their family as well. Um, I, you know, the, these steps will benefit anybody who tries them. It doesn't matter, you know, who they are. And, um, you know, the uh, the change that I have felt in my life and the connection to God where I'm not worried about what's happening tomorrow or in the future anymore because I know that I'm going to be taken care of because I'm staying close to God and I'm doing my best to do His work well. And it tells me in the book if I do that, you know, everything's going to be okay. And it is. It totally is. And I'm not saying I don't go into a place of fear, but I don't live in it today because I've been taught there's a step 10 process. And... We continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment and fear, and when they crop up, I talk I bring it to God, and I talk to someone about it immediately. And that process has really changed my life because I don't have to live in those those core defects of character anymore, and um, they sometimes they come up in in different ways, um, you know in low self-esteem or anxiety or, you know, but I can start to listen to my body and recognize them today because I've, I've been given a gift to understand that, you know, I'm getting these signals. If I don't feel really, really good, it's because something is disconnecting me from that place of love and compassion where God rests. And, um, you know, so th- just, just that, has been huge in my life, a game changer. Because I used to fall into the, why do I feel this way or, you know, what have I done wrong? But I used to have a really good week and then the next week I'm just restless, irritable, discontent, can't figure out why. And then I fall into feeding that even more, trying to figure it out with my minimal use of my mind. Um, Today, Through this program, I've learned how to go into my heart, pray about it, talk to someone about it, take it to meditation. And, you know, it just doesn't control me the way it used to. And, you know, this is where I want everybody to be, especially suffering with addiction, because, you know, there's so much more to alcoholism or addiction or spiritual malady than I ever knew. Um, but understanding it today, like those things, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear take me away from the, from the answers that God's going to give me. You know, I can't find it by thinking I need to take action and I need to be diligent. I need to be on guard when this stuff crops up. And this is why sponsorship is so important because when somebody is a God centered person and you tell him what's going on in your head um, he can help you find the truth and then you bring it to God in meditation and you know it's it's so cool how the uh, the answers just come when I least expect it today yeah. and
1: and I really like that you're bringing up this step 10 and the inventory process continuing to take the personal inventory and through that step 10 process i like at the end of it it says love and tolerance of others is our code we have ceased fighting anything or anyone even alcohol because through the process of you know turning to god when these things crop up talking to someone immediately making our quickly if we have harmed anyone and then resolutely turning our thoughts to someone we can help the first fight is always within our own head If I'm resentful at somebody because of what they said or what they seemingly did to me, I'm having a chatter and a conversation and gossiping within my own head. And if I keep fighting this within my head of what you did wrong to me or what I don't think is right, I'm going to keep fighting in my own head and it's not going to go away. And I'm going to then take it outside of myself and I'm going to start fighting you or taking it out somewhere else in the world. And then eventually, because I'm suffering the spiritual malady and it keeps piling up on me, I'm restless, irritable, and discontent, I will succumb to the desire again, as so many do. And I will reach for the drink or the drug. And I will have no effective mental defense. Because it isn't really about the drink or the drug. It's about fighting me within my own head. Then I'll fight you. And then I'm battling my addiction again, the substance. So through one of the promises in Step 10 is I get to be placed in a position of neutrality. Safe and protected. The problem has been removed. I haven't even sworn off. Really, as you understand the Step 10 process, I get removed from the problem. I get placed in a position of neutrality within my own head. And then within my fellow group of human beings. Because I'm not fighting anything or anyone. And, you know, this is all about relationships. This program is about how to build true partnerships with your fellow man. And as I kind of look back at my history of working through this program, I spent my first year not understanding motive. My intention was always good, but I would always go see my sponsor and go, why the fuck am I fighting these people? And I would try to get him to co-sign my bullshit, but he never would. And he said, when are you going to understand that it's not about the drink or the drug? You're going to burn your relationships down, and you're going to suffer. you got to look deeper. So I started studying the literature. And then I remember I really wanted to change, and I went through you know a period where my sex conduct was not that great. But my intentions were, and I was trying to be honest, and I was being all these things, and I was doing better. But then when I did another step four, it was like, no, I was still, my motives were still selfish and self-seeking, but it was hidden by my best of intention. And then that second step four started really revealing some things. So I really made more of an effort to do better and better and change. And I went through a lot of pain through a period of my recovery where I was really judged and, and fucking thrown under the bus. And it hurt. And I realized I couldn't really go around and tell everyone the truth but I could change what I was doing and I had to change from within. So I started relying on God-centered 12-step pillars to help keep me honest because I wasn't capable of it myself because I have a disease that rationalizes my actions and my inaction in my own life and I will hold on to the false integrity but my pillar system helps keep me honest. And now as I take this relationship building program into my personal relationships, Like I have a a beautiful girlfriend with a daughter and we're both digging in and it's growing our relationship to a place that I'm getting closer to God through the relationship. Vulnerability is the key to this stuff. It's like doing things that I've never done and the only thing I've ever wanted in my life was to be really vulnerable and allow you to really see who I actually am but it's the scariest thing to do. So I found someone that's doing that with me, and and it's launching us. It's launching me. And it's so nice to have a true partnership with somebody. And I also have that in my friendships with, like, you and with my sponsor and with Jesse and with, you know, Chad and with, you know, so many people. The list can go on. And, And it's changed my life. And it's about relationships. And the number one relationship in my life has to be with God. And then my relationship with Jilly can flourish. My relationship with my kids can flourish. My relationship with everybody flourishes. But God's got to be number one. And I finally figured that out a few years ago. And the literature took me to that place. And it wasn't the theory of God. It was practical application by getting closer to God through uncovering, discovering, and then recovering, so you know,
0: Tommy. Yeah. No, I um the thing the thing that I notice a lot is that people will do just enough to get by, and it makes sense because I did it too. Um, like I said, I came from homelessness, um, living on the street. And then I stayed sober for three years, and of course, life seemed great. I wasn't homeless. I wasn't, uh, you know, smoking crack on a daily basis, drinking every day. So it's no wonder that, you know, it's easy to fall into the trap of doing just enough to get by, and I didn't know what I was doing. I, <clears throat> I kept going to meetings, and, and I kept praying, you know, when it was convenient, And I kept showing up, but I started to die inside. And I didn't understand how dishonesty ran through my life. Um, I didn't understand how it manifested on such a deep level. And I just thought that, you know, this honesty thing was just telling the truth, you know, when I felt guilty, really. And then I started to understand that it was so much more than that. I had to be honest with myself. And I didn't know how to do that. And I continued to relapse year after year in the program, getting some relief from doing one to five, steps one to five. And I would get some relief. And I had no idea where to look or what to do. Um, You know, I thought I was doing this thing. And, you know, when I met you, I understood that I was not putting the amount of effort necessary to um, understand the parts of myself of my makeup that were driving my life, and they came with me in recovery they didn't they didn 't just disappear. My thoughts and behaviors and my actions um, didn't change enough to keep me sober, and I didn't remove enough of this stuff to connect me with God in the way that I need to feel happy and feel joy and feel love in recovery. I didn't know where to look and I, you know, you try and do that alone. And you know, you're going to, in my case, fall short every single time. Even though I had sponsors, I didn't know how to be honest with the sponsor. I didn't know how to tell him what was really going on with me. I didn't know how to explain the thoughts in my head that kept driving me to relapse. I had no idea how to do these things, you know, I came from a family that just didn't communicate, it wasn't open, didn't talk about emotions like a lot of us. And, uh, you know, so I just, I didn't really know what I was doing wrong. And, but I'm I'm grateful for all of it because it brought me exactly here on this microphone today with you. And, you know, I couldn't have planned this, you know, I. Anytime I try and plan things, usually um, I get such a tight grip on the way it should be that, you know, I'm disappointed every time. But, you know, when I start to rely on God and higher power or spirit of the universe, um, I start being led in a direction that isn't full of fear, isn't full of anxiety, isn't going to disappoint me. Even though Sometimes I feel disappointed. Sometimes I feel anxiety. Um, I don't, I just don't live in it today because the program has these a perfect plan not to live in that shit today, you know? Yeah. And I know
1: you went to treatment many times and a lot of our listeners have gone to treatment. A lot of people think that treatment's the solution. And that they finish this process of 30 days, 90 days, 120 days, whatever it is. And that they're going to be good and secure and they're going to be fixed. The problem is that most people come out of treatment and drink. Some don't, but most do. And I think treatment is a great place to go and get shelter and get structure and, and learn some things that you don't know. And most treatment centers are 12-step based, why? Because they know that this is the best way in the world to get sober. And, but I just, can you share your experience on what you got for value out of treatment, but what it was that it didn't have? Because you went to many, and a lot of people try over and over and over. And I think treatment centers can keep you sober for the time period that you're there, if you're willing to do what they say but it's this program and ultimately it's what the program takes us to the relationship with our creator that actually keeps us sober and and if you're just settling for sobriety i think you're just settling for crumbs if you're just settling for no drinking and drugging you're settling for crumbs because there's so much more that you are
0: able to to tell us about mm, i had no idea what what i needed to do um again like the treatment centers would bring relief and my family definitely expected that I would go to treatment and it would it would fix my problem and I don't know I I, I honestly don't even remember how many times I went to treatment um, but I did the 30-day spin programs and man I felt great after you know a week or two in there I felt hopeful and I felt like I was never going to drink or use drugs again. Um, And I did, you know, the really um, expensive two month um, psychological approach. Um, And that one was even worse because I felt so good when I left that I drank within two days. And, you know, it wasn't about me talking about my problems from the past. It wasn't about the trauma that I experienced it wasn't about you know the guilt and shame that I had developed over my drinking and using because i I talked about all of that and i and I did those things um, but you know it, it's i don't I don't even know how to explain how you focus on yourself. For the entire time you're in treatment and you, you start to feel happy again and you start to um, start to feel more confident in yourself. Um, I almost think that I started to develop an ego like I got this. I got this on my own, um, but I drank every time I left. And um, you know it, I think treatment center is great just to get your bearings. But it really, you need to have a program of living. You need to learn how to, once you come out of the bubble, how to live your life. And this is something I didn't know. Like I would get a job and, you know, my family would be so proud of me and I would work that job and then in the job I would start to think that life isn't treating me very well. I start, start to think that the boss is an asshole. I start to think that it's, you know, it's a pain in the ass to get to because I need to be on the bus for an hour to get to it. And then all these things start to crop up and I'm not doing anything with them. I don't know who to talk to about them. And eventually, you know, with enough resentment and selfishness and self-pity within me, I have to get relief from it. So I have no option, I need to go drink because that's the only way I know how to do that. And there's been a few times where I just tried to commit suicide with it. Like, because I felt at that point where I hate the way I feel when I'm sober, but I also hate the things that I'm causing my family when I drink and use. So my only option was, you know, I, I went down to Fish Creek Park one time and took a whole bottle of sleeping pills and uh, was ready to die because I just, I could not going on, keep going on the way I was going and, you know, I, I ended up in the hospital somehow, some way, I'm not too sure. Um, but that's the state that we get to without this and when you're in and out of treatment centers and you know you're trying your best to get sober and nothing's working you know suicide seems like a good option nobody knows what to do with me you know and eventually i ended up homeless like i said because i didn't know what the problem was i didn't know that my problem was spiritual i didn't know the thoughts that drove me to drink And I didn't know who to talk to or where to go about them.
1: So, Tommy, I just opened up the book and I'm going to read a a large paragraph here on page 50 at the bottom going into 51. And I'm just going to kind of give our listeners a take on what our study is going to kind of do and the understanding of the literature as, as you and I have experienced it. So here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. And when I ask most people what they think worldly means, they think, well, you know, well-traveled, been around the world. No, it means non-spiritual. A lot of these words come from definitions back in 1934, when the book was written, 35. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude towards that power. And when you know the literature really well you'll start seeing that the word attitude means turning to God and you know take a certain attitude towards that power means turn towards it and to do certain simple things those simple things are following the directions that are very simple in this program there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking A revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking a profound alteration in the way that I live and that I think and I like how Bill writes living and thinking because living means action through the action the practical application of these directions my thinking changes and my outlook on life changes what we're talking about is we're leveling up our consciousness we're getting to a place more of love and less of fear, more of willingness and compassion, and less judgment and resentment. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of total failure of their human resources. That means that I have to be beaten and desperate in the face of collapse and despair. Where you would just talk about you couldn't handle life anymore, so you committed suicide. That is the bottom that we need sometimes. And it doesn't have to be that bottom. It can be a different bottom. But you got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired and really want something different. In the face of total failure of their human resources, the way that you've always run your life, the way that it's worked for us and it's not working, my own human resources, they found a new power, peace and happiness and sense of direction flowed into them. Perfect. Awesome. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. This is a wholehearted commitment to want to change your life. A consistent, persistent commitment to change character, to change your life. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met these few simple requirements, the directions in the book. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence. Yeah, I was, I was confused and baffled why I was here and what the fuck am I even doing here? And you were too or you wouldn't have gotten to that jumping off place. They show the underlying reasons why they were making a heavy going of life. Well, where do I get to see the underlying reasons where I make a heavy going of life? It starts to be revealed in step four. Searching out the flaws in my makeup. Our problems arise out of ourselves. They arise out of me from deep within. And the alcoholic is an extreme example of this self will run right. We must be rid of the selfishness we must or it kills us. God makes that possible. There seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. We must have his help. And it's about changing of character with the help of God. And step six is the premise of that. Any person capable of enough willingness and honesty to try repeatedly step six on all his faults without reservation has indeed come a long way. What? Spiritually. It's through the relinquishment of these difficulties. The difficulties in step three are my defects of character. My defects of character actually cause all my difficulties in my life, which are the underlying reasons why I make a heavy going of life. Being convinced that self has manifested itself in various ways is what had defeated me. I fuck me. But I got to be convinced of that. Through the process of step three and understanding the literature properly, I think good sponsorship really pounds that home. Leaving aside the drink question, it says. They tell why living was so unsatisfactory. And I love how he writes leaving aside the drink question. Because it's not even the fucking problem. The way I live is the problem. My selfish self-centeredness is my problem. Underneath the intention of how I'm living my life. It's like peeling the layers of the onion to find the truth underneath. Because I can't always see the truth. They show how change came over them. When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God today is the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. And that's where we're at. This power is working in and through us. Most of the time. You know, we're humans and we get pulled down and we, we fuck up. But I don't even think we're, it's a fuck up. It's not mistakes we're making anymore you get to a point where you're not making mistakes you're making decisions that you look at you grow and you learn from and you're not making mistakes if you're trying to be better and live in the image and likeness of your own creator whatever your creator looks like right and our creators look very similar it's all based at the end of love right so another thing i'd like to touch on is uh you know sponsorship this design for living big book study is also going to focus in on sponsorship so maybe you can go first on talking about you know sponsorship within your own recovery and what sponsorship actually is doing in your life to help you launch more into that fourth dimension and and uncover and discover and recover more what's
0: sponsorship doing um in the, in the early stages of getting to know you, I leaned, you, leaned on you a lot um, just with everything. And I think that's really important. And I can tell all my guys that I'm sponsoring today, like call me with the dumb things. Call me with you know, things that you think that isn't worth talking about because those are the things that I understand today start to pile up and become something bigger than they are. And these are the things that start to block us and we start to feel disconnected from God. We start to feel disconnected from the groups of people, from our family, and you know we don't really know what's going on because when these things are left unattended to, we start to forget where they even came from. And it's so easy to lose track of what the hell's going on with me and why I feel this way. What are some of those things? Well, the dishonesty, um, the little white lies, the little fears of, let's say, financial fears, the little bit of jealousy, the little resentment that you just sweep under the rug because it's not a big deal, the guy that cut you off in traffic. Um, these things, these things that we, I, I have to be on guard for all the time now. And I need to express them because if I, if I leave them unattended to, like I said, they will become something bigger than they need to be. And they will disconnect me from this power that I'm trying to dedicate my life to today. And, um, this for a long time, I used to listen to guys like Bill and I thought, you know, that it was so unnecessary to do as much work that he was talking about. Um, but, I mean, it, it is vital, life-giving today that, um, that I really dig in and start to understand this stuff. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's the guys that are just coming back are fresh, you know, this stuff doesn't make any sense to them. So I really need to express to them. You know, I know you don't understand what the hell I'm talking about, but I just need you to be willing enough to do whatever I say. Like you said I did, because I was at that jumping off point sober. You know, I, I didn't come to you from a relapse. I came to you sober because I felt so disconnected, full of anxiety. And, uh, I didn't know what was going on to me. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's just so important that, um, with enough willingness that, you know, the person will actually listen to what I'm saying. And, um, you know, if, if they're desperate enough, like you just talked about, um, they will, they will do whatever I say, um, you know, I just had a guy go out about six months ago um, because there was, a, there was a point where he, he lost that willingness in the program. He lost the willingness, and I asked him not to do a certain thing, and it was to get into a relationship. And you and I both told him the consequences. We predicted his future. And, you know, he said, fuck it, I'm going to do it my way. This stuff you're talking about is too fanatical for me and uh, he relapsed and he was on crack and heroin for six months straight and he lived a miserable existence and you know I was so happy to hear him Um, and I sit down with him today because he knows that you know what I told him was truth and I wasn't trying to be controlling about it but just watching guys go in and out and in and out you start to learn like relationships in early recovery um I love what Bob D says. It's like pouring miracle Grow on your defects of character. But that shit will drive you to drink. And I know you've had an experience with someone actually dying because of it. Many. Right. And nobody
1: talks about the most powerful desire that the human being has. The most powerful desire we have is the desire for sex relation. And it's an energy source within us. And when it's depleted through a physical form it depletes willingness and willpower in the individual but to try to tell somebody that based on the world we live in thinking and they also think that i just want to be sober from the substance that this other shit doesn't matter but it really does matter and over working with hundreds of men and jesse my best friend has worked with hundreds of men we compare the data and it's the same shit And what Tommy had told this man was truth based on our experience of collecting the data. And if you can harness this energy, and the big book talks about it, you know, we jump into harder, harder into helping others to cure the imperious urge. So when we can take that energy and harness it and direct it into something with purpose and meaning, it actually creates a lot more creativity and and inspiration and it really helps the psyche the subconscious of the individual recovering to a really good place but you got to be super willing because that desire is very powerful and your disease wants out once the drug and the alcohol are put to the side the disease wants out through sex relation it's the number one way it tries to escape But if you can hold on and listen to sponsorship and listen to the pillars and not do those things in early recovery, after about eight months to a year, as you've learned how to build character and build a relationship with God and you start building relationships with others that are true, you're able to get into these relationships that actually have meaning and purpose. And you're listening to your truth and you're not going to act like an asshole or a selfish prick anymore, because you know that you're actually hurting somebody. And a lot of the reason we drink is because that God-centeredness, the guidance system that God gave every human being, we've covered it up with societal belief systems, and we've never really listened to it. And every human being has that in them, and it's just covered up. What does the book say? It's often obscured by calamity, pomp, and worship of other things. But the fundamental idea of God is within every man, woman, and child. But it's covered up. So we try to uncover that. We start trying to listen to it. And we start listening and guiding ourselves with that inner resource. And essentially it's the heart. And it comes from love. And when we start listening to that, that becomes the boundary setter in our life. We don't have to set the boundaries all over our lives out of insecurity anymore because we're secure in who we are, because we're listening to our own truth. And that one boundary setter of truth, of authentic truth, actually sets every boundary. You know when to say yes, because you mean yes, and you don't have to say no when you mean yes. You can speak your truth from a place of security because you know that it's right. But because we've been taught to wear all these different masks, through societal belief systems and sentiments, we we just believe that. And it just ties into, you know, that second delusion, which the big book study is based on. In the chapter, um, step three, chapter, I'm a victim of a delusion that I can wrest happiness and satisfaction out of this world if I only manage well. And I won't get into exactly what that all means, but essentially as I understand that, that delusion and I start taking action to smash that delusion, I actually start recovering and I start healing and
0: I start feeling really fucking good. So I think the other important, like you just talked about, um, is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get sober. There's going to be a lot of things that I don't feel good about, and we're going to start to look at that stuff. Um, but my st- self esteem, it does not happen quickly that I get that back. And so I start reaching outside of myself. I start reaching for a better job that pays more money. I start reaching for a relationship that's going to make me feel better. I start, you know, maybe trying to get a, a car that looks good for the women. Um, you know, all of these things outside of myself. Because it, it takes time to groove this stuff into your life. And you know as we start to get you know, a little bit more confident in the program, and we've been clean for, I don't know, four to eight months, um, there's a point where the ego comes just comes in, and we start making decisions based on self, which later will put us in a position to be hurt. And it tells us that in the book. If I do not lean on my sponsor... Because if I start making decisions based on myself, um, and that's the job, the women, the car, the, you know, you name it, Uh, maybe I'm shopping too much, and you know, um, maybe I'm start getting into porn, or you know, all of these things that, because I don't really quite feel good enough yet, but I feel confident enough that it seems like a good idea to go do these things. And it's gonna make me feel a little better because, I'm at an, in a bit of a lull point, and I need something to kick it up, and because um, I'm I'm starting to miss that that thrill of the drama in addiction, or you know that 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 juice that I have been missing because it you know I'm not necessarily going to grasp that right away, and some guys do. I mean, some guys definitely do, but um, there's a part of that excitement that I start to to miss, and it, it produces a chemical in my brain, and I'm starting to miss that part. Um, this is where I really need to be diligent and, you know, if I'm, if I have a good sponsor who's telling me do not make any decisions without talking to me first, um, you know, and I listen to him and I'm still willing and, you know, hopefully I can be humble enough to be open to him about what I'm actually thinking about the porn or the shopping or the girl. Um, you know, this is where the success happens, you know, and if we can get through that, there's like a period that I've noticed if we can get through that, then we start to access the juice that we're really looking for. Because this is the stuff I was looking for my entire addiction, you know. I was looking for what I have today, and I didn't know how to find it, so I'm looking everywhere. And unfortunately, it was drugs and alcohol to start, and then, you know, through recovery, you know, it might have been women or, or, or whatever. And this is really the stuff that I, I'm combating today, you know, with the guys that I'm working with. Is really being aware of when they're going to go out and start to look outside themselves to feel better and try and bring them back within and start to look at the things that are driving them to want to feel that way.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, in the chapter, Doctor's Opinion, as part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conceptions to others, impressing upon them they must do likewise with still others. This has been the basis of this rapidly growing fellowship of these men and their families. What we're talking about is taking this message and helping another alcoholic. As part of my rehabilitation, as part of Tommy's rehabilitation, we commenced to present these conceptions to others and upon them, they must do likewise with still others. And I did that with Tommy. And When I sponsor men, I let it be known that sponsorship is not really an option. You have to carry this message and work with others. And a lot of people really balk and and push this part of the program away. Why? Because selfish self-centeredness is the root of our troubles. You know, we work out our solution on the spiritual and altruistic plane. Spiritual means connection with God through the disciplines. And altruistic means unselfishly devoting oneself to the welfare, happiness, and well-being of others. But I don't do this work of helping others altruistically really at first it's the act of altruism but I'm by no means unselfishly devoting myself my time and my welfare to others I'm doing it because I need to stay alive and over time I start realizing that this type of work starts making me feel good so then I'm doing it because I want to feel good but there's still a selfish component so to become totally altruistic and actually want to do this without hesitation or expectation for anything in return is kind of where we want to get to. And that is genuine humility, as the book says, a sincere desire to seek and do God's will in everything we do. And it's not going to be perfect. And you're not going to do this like you're not going to just work for God and be a perfect human being. But it's a sincere desire to do that. So through sponsorship for me and my experience and the others that I see who work with others, the ones who do the most work with others actually get to the point of altruistic a lot quicker. And they actually experience the real depth of the gifts of the program. And it's through sponsorship that I'm able to practice every single principle in every affair right in that moment. I am practicing every principle that the program has to offer in that moment. I'm out of self, I'm practicing the principles, and I'm being of service. and. We talk heavily about inventories in this program. What better way to look at yourself, talk to yourself and listen to yourself and learn about you through another man sitting across the table and seeing him suffer and struggle with the same things you suffer and struggle with, not only as an alcoholic, but as a human being. So Bill was really smart. He used my greatest deficit of being an alcoholic addict as my greatest asset. The book talks about my real purpose is to fit myself to be a maximum service to God and my fellows about me. And that's what sponsorship really does. And to me, sponsorship is the greatest gift that I received in this program. The 12 steps give me a lot, but the one aspect, working with others, gives me everything. And I had a sponsor. And I still rely on my sponsor. I have two sponsors, and I rely heavily. I meet them frequently. They call me on my bullshit still today. And I sponsor others. And through both those sides of the process, I'm able to recover, not just from the hopeless state of mind and body, but recover from the bondage of self, which is the spiritual malady, which is the most important thing to medicate. And I don't want to drink. I don't think about drinking. And, and it's a gift and it just, I just want more of this and more and more and more. And, you know, Tommy, I guess we're going to slowly wrap this up. Um, You got any closing comments before we kind of both,
0: you know, do a little bit of promotion? Yeah, I would just say that I think a lot of why people don't sponsor um, as many people as they can It's because they don't have the confidence in the program. And part of this study will give you that confidence to understand the literature so that you can actually go out and be helpful to people that are suffering from um, addiction and alcoholism. So, I mean, we want to give people the information so that they can actually go be helpful themselves. And, you know, today I'm a very confident sponsor because of the knowledge – bill gave me and sitting through his big book studies and listening to you know the stuff that he has on youtube and um you know so not only like do we just love doing this and want to be of service to as many people as we can possibly but really we want as bill has done and i watch it create a ripple effect because when you sponsor someone you're not only just helping them but you're helping their entire family and, you know, if we can create something more and start to affect the families, start to affect the relationships and have children be brought up in a loving, compassionate home because they understood how to connect to God and bring it into their family as I do today, you know, that to me, it just opens my heart. And, um, you know, so that's a huge, huge part of this. But yeah, so Bill, where, how can people find out about the big book study uh, where can they where can they look for you and all the things?
1: Well for me you can find me on uh, Facebook billward.life as well as Instagram same handle as well as Patreon as well as YouTube and I have a bunch of material on YouTube that I'm getting great feedback on as I did another study a number of months ago and I, I recorded it um, haphazardly it's not the greatest recording but but the information's still there um and tommy and i are doing this udr podcast which stands for uncover discover recover and that's been getting some some good feedback as well and i really like how you mentioned the ripple effect you know gandhi says be the change that you want to see in the world and i think it starts with one person Mm -hmm. it can infect the family and then it can infect the community And it's important for me to take responsibility for my decision to work for God, like step three you mentioned earlier. And through that ripple effect, many other people can be helped. And who actually gets to help me? You know, as I live for God and the people, the God and the people start living for me and and I get lifted up, right? And So yeah, that's where you can find me and, uh, you know, subscribe, you know, follow, do whatever. And all of this stuff is new to me. So fucking help me out. And Tommy, where can we find what you're doing and, and what's
0: going on with you? Yeah, so I'm on uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, Table40 Coaching. Um, and you're welcome to, you know, like me as a friend at uh, just uh, Tom Forsyth. Um, I'm also on Instagram at table40.coach. And then my website is table forty coach.com. So basically we're just putting everything we do on um you know on our social media and we're just we want to try and reach as many people possible with this um obviously and whoever's open it to it and whoever we attract. So if you want to come check us out please do. And uh that's
1: yeah and I got one more thing I forgot about my website and uh what I want to try to bring and, and promote. You know, I want to work with corporations and really smash the stigma of alcoholism and addiction and really get corporations to start working for their employees and uh, bring different services to the table. And a lot of those things are going to be detailed on my website, billward.life. So, yeah, sorry that I had to sneak that in there, but I forgot about it.
0: Like I said, I'm new to this, eh? (laughs) All good. Okay, well, we hope to see you all soon, and thank you so much for tuning in.